it feels here uh, like one of those moments when you, you just kind of want the song to continue for the next half an hour. Uh, because it's just such a blessing to have that sense of, of the Lord's presence being in the, the... These words tell us about him. They proclaim him. They, they proclaim his power. Uh, and that power means that the things that would bind us, the, the, the chains that, that, would t that, that would grip us, the things that would hold us down, are gone through the blood of Jesus. And there's a, a truth in that. Uh, very often today, we, we hear this term fake news, uh, and it's become one of the buzzwords. And uh, you, you see so much coming at us. It's, we're bombarded from every direction, from whatever media, uh, and we're left to decide what, what is truth and, and what is fake. Um, Yet the words we've heard this morning from Paul uh, are, are truth. Uh, Paul's someone, uh, I don't know if this is a, a good uh, illustration or not, who'd be like a, a, a stick of Blackpool rock. Where, and it's an old one, isn't it, really? But you, you look at those words in the top, and if you were to cut it in half, then you'd find on each side the same words. There's a, a consistency all the way through. And, and Paul gives us that impression that whatever there was of Paul, you'd see Christ. You'd see the message that Paul has. Paul had, had one goal, one desire, and it, and it oozed out of Paul with total sincerity that, that this was the man. And yet this is a man now who we read about is, is in chains Okay, he's, he's telling us about prison. He's telling us about being in chains. And yet, at the end of it all, he says, and yet I'm rejoicing. Hang on a minute. That's not supposed to be the case, is it? When, when things are, are dark, bleak, when we're in prison, it's not supposed to be pleasant, and it's very unpleasant, in fact. So what's Paul doing here? Is, is Paul being normal here? by saying that he's rejoicing. It doesn't make, it doesn't quite seem consistent. Uh, he's not supposed to be there in prison rejoicing. Um, but this is Paul. Let's pray. Father, in these moments, by your spirit, will you minister to each of our souls. We come to you that you would fill us and refresh us and strengthen us through your grace that we might be more empowered to be like you. Work in all of us, Lord, that which is pleasing in your sight for your glory's sake. And so we pray that the words of the preacher's mouth, the meditations of all our hearts will be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. Reality, being real, is a, a virtue that we, we still acknowledge and we still like to see. Um, not too many years ago, uh, there was a case in, in Derbyshire. Uh, there was a man, Mick Philpott, 
partner Maraid, who hatched a plan to set fire to their house, knowing the children would be inside, um, but then stage a rescue uh, and then frame uh, one of Mick's former partners. Sadly, when Mick set fire to the house, it took off too quickly and six children died in that fire. The police, everybody, were shocked and Mick said it's okay for us to do a media conference. But when they did that conference, Maraid was very quiet, Mick was talkative, but it was very noticeable that every time he spoke, he was crying and he'd wipe his tears with a handkerchief. And at that point, many people watching were just wondering, are these tears genuine? And what happened because of that was the police began to realize that maybe this guy wasn't so much the victim of losing six children. He was actually maybe the perpetrator. And indeed, uh, he is serving a life sentence at this moment. What the people saw were crocodile tears. Uh, apparently, uh, a crocodile seems to cry while it's eating its prey. So if it's eating whatever it's got in its mouth, I don't think it's too sorry, but you tend to see some tears. Hence that little phrase, crocodile tears. Uh, it's, it's the difference between sincerity, between realness and genuineness, and, and falseness. Genuineness is good. We all respect that, and we all look for it, but we don't always see it. But in Paul, there's nothing to suggest he, he wasn't genuine. He was totally consistent. Let me just look at this passage that we read. If you have it with you there in Philippians chapter 1, uh, let's just go through these verses, or just some of the words in, in these verses together. This is verse 12. Um, what has happened has served to advance the spread of the gospel. Verse 13, my imprisonment in the cause of Christ. Verse 14, people now, my brothers and sisters, have more courage to proclaim the gospel. Verse 15, yes, some are preaching Christ out of envy. Verse 16, others preaching Christ out of love. Verse 17, the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition. But, verse 18, what does it matter as long as Christ is being preached? Every verse seems to be proclaiming this thought, just expanding this thought that what is important for Paul is that the gospel is being preached. And that was Paul's message. There's a, a genuineness about Paul's message because that's him. And his message was this primacy, this most importantness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that whatever happened, that was most important. Maybe with Paul, it was most important because he knew the power of the gospel. See, Paul knew prison, but he also knew something of the power of the gospel. I can, uh, we can show a slide quickly about, uh, 
about a prison. This is the, uh, I think, anyway, I, you can see it, I can't at the moment. There it is. Uh, it's a place in, in Rome, the Mamertinum. I hope I get the pronunciations right here. Um, and what you can see is actually a, a sort of almost like three stories. The two stories above are modern-day churches, one's the church of, uh, of San Giuseppe. Uh, below it are two sort of almost like caves. They, 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 they were the prism. Um, and that used to be the, uh, the, the Tullianum, named after possibly somebody called Tullius, or because there was a, a jet spring of water, which is a similar word to Tullius. Uh, and there could well have been water flowing through the, the, those caves, which is very interesting to think uh, that some place that would be used for such awful purposes might have a, a spring of water flowing through it. it uh, there's sort of echoes of Psalm 23 in there. Um, but this was a, a terrible place to be. Uh, just on the lower slide, uh, you'll see that uh, it does say that uh, you've got the readings of uh, the Mamertinum, and there's a prison there where the apostles Peter and Paul were held. Um, so that's why it's become a tourist site. The next slide shows you something of one of these caves, although it's a bit more lit up now, and there's a bit of gold in there. I, I don't think when, if Peter or Paul were in there, they, they'd be quite so pleasant. Usually they'd be put in there, maybe having been beaten, uh, maybe whipped for the, say, 39 times, bleeding. Many people didn't come out of there alive, uh, and if they did, it was in order to be executed. Uh, the, the prisons w weren't a sort of reform system uh, that, that we have today. It, it wasn't about someone would do their time and come out a reformed person. Uh, yes, if you're in debt, you'd wait in prison until you had your debts paid. Um, but usually, it's a very short wait until the judge pronounced sentence. There was no great legal battles with solicitors and barristers. Uh, you just got your sentence, and very often it, it was execution that's uh, preceded by the, the whippings, uh, which we know about through Jesus, and we know that that's something that Paul faced. He talks at least five times uh, from the Jews there in, in Corinthians who mentions that. So Paul had suffered Im imprisonment in the severest of circumstances. Uh, I hope you don't mind me adding these situations now, because these probably wasn't where Paul was when he wrote Philippians. Paul does talk about chains, um, as uh, Ian said the other week, and I think Ian graphically demonstrated how he could have been in chains like that, up there on the wall, uh, or it could have been like that, uh, or it could have been like that, which if it was like that, I'm guessing Timothy was writing. Um, but also there could have been stocks, and we think of stocks as these things that you put your arms out in so that people can throw fruit and eggs at you. Um, but these were probably wooden stocks that were extendable for the legs, so that you're only being held by the wall, but you're in sort of stocks just to widen, if you like, and extract a little bit more pain. This was not a pleasant experience, and yet Paul is rejoicing. Now, this particular occasion probably wasn't that extreme at, at this stage. It, that could have been where Paul ended up, hence the legend there of, uh, of the Mamertinum in, in Rome. Paul wonders, in, in this letter, does give us a clue. He talks about the Praetorium. Uh, the Praetorium wasn't a place. Uh, the Praetorium were the guards uh, for the Praetor, the Emperor, in particular in the sense of being the judge 
and the, the head of justice. So just where Paul was, we don't know. We talked about house arrest in, in other places. Um, I don't think that means that he'd got himself a, an Airbnb or a, he'd rented a semi two up, two down, and there was a Roman guard on the door to look after him. Uh, it could have been then, uh, using this word, that the, the um, Praetorium had barracks in the palace area and maybe Paul was housed there. Uh, again, it depended on the nature of who the prisoner was, and as a Roman citizen, Paul may well have not been in the Mamertinum at that stage, but Paul had already been through enough prison stays to know what it was like, and yet he was rejoicing. He was rejoicing because of the primacy of the gospel. It was being preached, and he knew the power of the gospel. Maybe no one like Paul knew the power of the gospel well. Paul was the one when he was Saul riding to D Damascus. Paul the one who was zealously persecuting people who turned to Jesus. Was the one who met with Jesus and he was blinded. Then later taken into uh, Straight Street, Damascus, wasn't it, for Ananias to pray for him. And Saul received his slight, sight and became this tremendous apostle, this messenger of, uh, of, of the gospel. So Paul knew something of the power of the gospel. But one more thing here in these few verses, uh, and I've just thrown a couple more peas in here, uh, is that there seemed to be a problem with the preaching. There seems to be people doing the preaching for one reason or another. Maybe even in Philippi, where this letter was being written to, I wonder what they thought when they read, or oh, Paul's in prison again. I wonder if that divided them slightly. Uh, maybe there was some thinking, oh, what's he done this time? It's a shame Paul's in prison again. Or maybe there were those thinking, yeah, Paul's in prison. I wonder how many people are going to become Christians this time. It was in Philippi where when he'd been in jail, he'd been singing songs uh, with Silas and uh, there'd been an earthquake and whoa, everything opened up. Um, so again, there may have been two thoughts on what was taking place with, with Paul. And it, it seems that that was the case here. Maybe there were those with that sense of, of shame of Paul being in prison. Paul himself said he wasn't ashamed. He said, uh, again in Romans, he's not ashamed of the gospel of God. He was in prison because of the gospel, and he said he's not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation. So, because of the gospel, Paul was rejoicing about being in prison. <laughs> what a challenge that is. In, in many ways, but he wasn't ashamed. It's so easy to be ashamed. Uh, I can remember my, my parents being told by one person that someone they knew had been in prison. Uh, and that was, you know, if like shame, stigma. I, I got to know the other person and I found out it was a lie and they hadn't been, a, to use that word they were using, jailbird, but something that was being put about the town uh, in order to defame them. And this shame of prison doesn't seem to be Paul's. In fact, Paul was 
excited at the prospect that people were going out fearlessly to share the gospel. That was the whole point of it. So he was rejoicing. However, some, it seems, were going out, yes, with goodwill and sincerity, and some were going out almost to do Paul harm and with insincerity. Who were these people? We know later in Philippians, uh, if you go to chapter 3, uh, among the church were those people who were Jews, who'd become Christians, um, but then they wanted to Im impose Jewish customs on others becoming Christians, even if they weren't Jews. So we call them the, the Judaizers. Uh, and it seems that they were around. Um, and Paul didn't like that because that confused the message. Worse than that, in Galatians, Paul was writing to people giving the wrong gospel, if you like, or a, a false message. And he said if the message isn't true, if it isn't right, then th th they need to be cursed. That's false. Here... In chapter 1, Paul's talking about believers going out and he's saying that whatever they're doing, it's good because the gospel is going out. So it wasn't a false gospel. It wasn't probably then the Judaizers who were adding a bit of confusion among the church. Just maybe the church were being fired up. And it says many of them were now going out to give the gospel. But I wonder if there was a point at which when they were challenged, yeah, there were those who were saying, yes, we're here because of Christ. And there were those who were there who said, well, we're here because of Paul. And we're only doing it because Paul told us and Paul told us this and therefore we're out here now and in actual fact, I think we'd rather go home. In other words, what they've done there is they've blamed Paul and they've diluted the message with a sort of insincerity. That could well be the case. We don't know exactly. But I'm just wondering if that's something of the message because of the way Paul, Paul's realness, his genuineness shines through. And one of the problems with the message wasn't the message itself, but maybe the lack of sincerity with which it was being preached. Paul was rejoicing. He was rejoicing because the primacy of the gospel was being held in that place because the power of the gospel was being pro proclaimed, if you like. And, okay, there was a problem in the preaching, but because it was a, the gospel that was being preached, that's okay, and that's good. So... Where does this leave us in 21st century Wester Hales? What is the challenge for us? Uh, I'm so glad that we're doing a book like F Philippians and a, a title that we've been given in terms of being locked up, but looking up. Um, Paul was locked up, and many people, even in these days, have that sense of, of being locked up, uh, the, the restrictions mean we, we do have so little movement. We're not necessarily in, in, in prison at this time. We're not necessarily facing all the issues that Paul was facing. But if there's a, a message from Paul, it's that 
wherever we are, the gospel is still powerful. The one who reached Paul reaches us even where we are. And so while circumstances might have been difficult, and we hear this so much in these days, uh, we hear how people are struggling to get by and yet just looking for provision. People are, are wor those who are working, working socks off and then suddenly finding there's children at home to educate as well. And so more and more pressure is, is being put on us. And, and all the time we're, we're just wanting to be able to fly. And yet there's like chains and pressures being applied. How brilliant to hear earlier that the, the pressures that come can be broken by Jesus, by his blood. The chains that bind us, as John Newton said in the song Amazing Grace, can be broken away. So, importantly, not wishing to be anything other than real in this situation. Not thinking, oh yeah, we can go out and give the gospel everywhere. Um, obviously we can't at the moment. Um, there are restrictions. It means things like stop for the one and the turning can't quite happen as they are. But it maybe means we've an occasion to pray into those things. And maybe the Lord would lead us into engaging more in those missions when they take up again or in other missions of sharing the gospel in, in Wester Hales. We have been able to walk around the, 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 uh, the location a couple of times and that's been great. Do join us if we do that again. Um, what about the other services being provided such as uh, the ones Nikki mentioned, Food Bank and, and CAP? Again, helping people practically in these days and above all helping people uh, to, to find Jesus. And maybe if we're not even in that position, I feel even this morning there are those who just don't feel ready to be saying, no, I, I, I want to go out there, I want to help out there, I want to do that. Well, for, for you in that situation, may you know that, that God knows where you are, who you are, even if there's a, a curled up sense of thinking what on earth is going to happen. Well, the Lord knows, and he himself would minister to you this morning to let you know he's found you, he's watching over you, and he's there to be with you through the situation. God doesn't always lift us out of our situation miraculously when we think that would be the best thing, but he always promises he'll, he'll never leave us or forsake us, and whatever we're going through, He'll go through it with us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that it's your gospel. We, we didn't come up with the idea of saving ourselves because we couldn't. Um, as we heard earlier, um, as, as Paul wrote there in Philippians, it was you that did it, it was you that became uh, flesh, 
that you came as a, as a servant and you came to die that we might know life. Lord Jesus, it's your blood that paid the price for the things that we've done wrong. And so because of your blood, we can come now forgiven into your presence. And Lord, wherever we are, be it here, be it at home, with other people on our own at this time now, or maybe watching as a recording, Lord Jesus, you're the same and your presence is known. So Lord, will you minister out of your grace, out of the riches of your storehouse, just at each point of need. Lord, be it for uh, strength, be it for comfort. Lord, there are many who are mourning at this time. Your word tells us that you comfort those who mourn. Lord, for those who need that touch of healing, well, you're Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. Lord, for provision, Lord, we know that you're the one, Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. Lord, you are all in all. Will you minister to each person at this time according to, to the needs that you know we have? You know each person. Will you minister to each person as you promise according to your purposes and our good. Lord, you minister. You have plans for our good and your purposes. So will you bring them about? We look around us and we might just see the bars or we might see the difficulty of the situation. Help us to see you and know that you are God and even in our situation, you are restoring it and restoring us for your glory. Amen.